Welcome to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. I am Dr. Vignesh Devraj, an Ayurvedic doctor and a holistic health coach. Each week we share wisdom or interview an inspiring personality to guide you become your healthiest self. Remember, your health is your greatest asset. If you are interested in doing an one-on-one online Ayurvedic consultation to enhance the quality of your health, please check the show notes of this podcast or visit vigneshdevraj.com in the consultation we will discuss the steps to integrate ayurveda in becoming your healthiest version beat with food ayurvedic herbal preparations lifestyle changes and also personalized meditations what makes ayurveda unique in its healing approach is its practical wisdom on the concept of vata Vata is responsible for prana the life energy Vata is responsible for the nervous system which is the master control panel of our body and our emotions Hence in Ayurveda it is mentioned when you balance the Vata you balance your life and the art of healing is actually the art of balancing Vata With over 15 years of my Ayurvedic medical practice I have encapsulated my experiential wisdom on what it takes to balance the vata for a modern lifestyle and designed a course called Balancing the Mighty Vata. This course is filled with practical inputs that can be easily integrated into your lifestyle. Please check the show notes of this podcast to get access for this content or do visit drvignesh.teachable.com. A very warm welcome to all of you to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond podcast. This is your host, Dr. Vignesh Devraj, and today I have a very inspiring guest who is a teacher, who is a practitioner, and also a student of life. And she is Dr. Claudia Welch, and she likes to call herself a lifelong student of life and medicine. And in her bio, she says she has practiced Ayurveda, has worked in Eastern medicine education, is licensed as Doctor of Oriental Medicine, and the author of many of the books which we all might have read. And some of the books are really life changing, like the book "Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life," "Achieving Optimal Health and Wellness Through Ayurveda," "Chinese Medicine," and "Western Science," and the four qualities of effective physicians: Practical Ayurvedic Wisdom for Modern Physicians. Uh, one of the books that really gave me a lot of insights about women's health and especially understanding the concept of hormones how it is impacting is the book balance your hormones and balance your life so today i am interviewing dr claudia welch on especially on this concept of book and i was looking forward to have this conversation for a very long time and finally we are lucky to have dr claudia welch finally in this podcast dr claudia welch thank you so much for being in this podcast it's really an honor for all of us Thank you so much for inviting me Dr. Devaraj ji it's a pleasure to be here with you. Thank you. And uh, the first time I read this book um, balance your hormones balance your life uh, you know if if I were the editor or if I had if I get to edit it I would reverse the name like balance your life and it will balance your hormones. This is what <laughs> I felt <laughs> once I read that book. You know, well, then we're on the exact same wavelength because here's the story. Can I tell you a little story about yes, that? Yes, yes, of course. That's what we are here for to listen to your okay. stories. <laughs> so, um, 
so I wrote the book and it took about 10 years to write. And then um, the, I got in touch with the publisher and, um, and she's put me in touch with this wonderful editor, their, their editor there, Renee. And Renee was just, she was just a fantastic editor. She let me write the whole inside of the book. She didn't change it. She'd point out, you know, this, uh, this is a little unclear. Could you work with that? That kind of thing. But she was a mm-hmm. joy to work with. But she she got in touch with me one day and she said, I have the title of the book. And it's interesting, you know, writing the book for 10 years, I still didn't know what the title was. She said, the the title, the, the good title for this book is Balance Your Hormones, Balance Your Life. And I wrote back to her and I said, that's great, Renee, but um, it's backwards because that <laughs> makes it sound like if you balance your hormones, your whole life will balance. And the, the book is exactly opposite. That is, it's saying, if you balance your life, your hormones will fall in line behind that and balance in that way. And she wrote back and she said, you're right, but my way will sell more copies. <laughs> and, and I said, all right, well, you let me write the inside of the book. So I guess I'll let you write the outside. So I, I didn't fight about it, but it's, it makes a story almost every time we talk about this, I talk about this book with someone, you know, because mm-hmm. that's exactly the case is that um, it's not that hormones are these rogue, uh, these rogue elements that have nothing to do with the, the way we are living. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's so true. And it's, it's, she, she was spot on that if you write balance your hormones, you balance your life will definitely sell more because we all are put under the misconception because of the, you know, if, if you are lacking insulin, just take insulin. So once your insulin is corrected with an external synthetic tablet or an injection, your diabetes is going to be under control. This is what we are typically trained. And that's the same with thyroid. That's the same with estrogen. When many women are taking this hormone replacement therapy. So definitely it makes sense. But once they go through that book, you know, there will be a lot of aha moments. And uh, it's it's really a life-changing book for many of those who are suffering with this hormonal imbalances. I appreciate you saying that, Dr. Devarajji. And I, um, before we had a conversation today, I know we've met a few times before, but um, I hadn't looked at your website. And I went to your website and read some of your backstory. And mm-hmm. it seems to me, you know, you, you know, these are not just concepts for women; these are also concepts for men. And that going through this book, I'm curious. I know you're the interviewer, but I'm curious. Um, which parts of the book felt like they um, that they resonated with you as a man and which parts you think might resonate with men. Okay. So we are switching the roles here, but still uh, let me answer to that question because there were some parts of the book, uh, I think irrespective of the gender, especially on the topic of cortisol and DHEA. Uh, I think if that, that is, that I think it's some third or fourth chapter you mentioned about that. Like what a cortisol does to a person. You know, once the cortisol goes over the roof and it, if it's going to stay longer in your body and how that is going to impact your metabolism, how that's going to impact your, uh, your overall ability to relax and the tendency of anxiety that can come up. And when I started seeing that, you know, the the high levels of cortisol was, is just exactly the same in the, in the textbooks of Ayurveda when they talk about 
high vata conditions and right. this is exactly and we are trying to and most of the people who are coming to ayurveda are actually coming because of the western medicine is just not is just scratching the surface of understanding the concept of vata because vata is formless it doesn't have a matter it is only something that we can perceive so uh, definitely hormones is the physical side of our emotional aspect and uh, when i try to say that we have to calm down the vata what we are actually doing is bringing down the cortisol so this is something that i started noticing even in my own side in my own personal life and when i see people with high blood pressure when i see people who had a heart problem i you know uh, that concept of cortisol and dhea and also you know after reading your book i completely got to understand the concept of yin and yang which i wanted to discuss more about what chinese medicine also you know how the concepts of chinese medicine are quite similar with ayurveda with the concept of gunas you know we have the opposite gunas here so those are right. some aspects that really connected with me and uh, of course the one of the reasons why i read this book is uh, after i started a retreat majority of the patients who came to me were women during their menopausal times and i started seeing lot of patients who are going through the menopause issues and they are thinking they they want to get a alternative for hormone replacement therapy or they read somewhere it is going to it could it could be carcinogenic so do you have something so we all know shatavari but definitely we know that shatavari is just one part of it there is much more than shatavari can do so i was researching more about it because during my uh, medical study like bachelor of ayurvedic medicine and surgery uh you know menopause was something that you read about when uh, not many patients that i saw because most of the patients that i did see during my studies was people with autoimmune disorders parkinsons arthritis multiple sclerosis and then many gut disorders but menopause was something new i was uh you know my practice i learned it uh on the street that's how i learned so then i had to update myself and your book was my game changer in that Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, well, a cu- couple of thoughts about this. One is um, in terms of stress hormones, cortisol and adrenaline, especially right when we're mm-hmm. when we're looking at that, um, and we're looking at um, estrogen and progesterone in terms of the major players for for women in terms of reproductive hormones. You know, I tr- I looked at them for a long time, and as you well know, Dr. Devraj Ji, and many of your listeners may know, Ayurveda doesn't doesn't in the in Brihadrayi in the in the main texts of Ayurveda they don't talk about hormones per se. Exactly. Yes. And, right, and the same in Chinese medicine, and and I too, like yourself, when I went through um, studying Ayurveda, and I went through formal training in Chinese medicine, and And while menopause was touched on, almost every woman who came in for consultation was curious about hormones and they didn't mm-hmm. really understand them. And honestly, I didn't really understand them even after the, all that training. And so I felt, well, all right, I've got to go to the drawing board here. And the, you know, even the conversation about hormones itself is a relatively new conversation. The first hormone wasn't wasn't discovered until 1902 so this is just mm-hmm. you know this is just a, a 120 year conversation mm-hmm. and the conversation you know has mostly been in western science with that and western science what they do with that is they um they define what a hormone is 
they define where hormones are secreted. They def define what each hormone does specifically in the body. But mm -hmm. what's really missing in that is how they interrelate um, mm. in an elegant way. And so, you know, I, I, I knew that Ayurveda didn't, didn't speak specifically to hormones, but what I trusted very much was that um, while it didn't speak to the specific hormones, it would provide an elegant lens through which to view reality, this mm. aspect of reality that we call hormones. And because I'd seen that happen with everything else, as you, I expect, have too, because in a clinic, you, you see how elegant Ayurveda is and how um, they pro it provides us these different lenses through which reality and to, through which to view different aspects of reality. For example, um, in Ayurveda, we have the three doshas or we have the five elements or um, we have the datus, understanding of the datus or the suratamsi. And so when we're looking at an issue, we can use any one of those organizational principles to help us understand it. And so I figured if I really, if I researched about hormones from the Western point of view long enough, one of these organizing principles from either Chinese medicine or Ayurveda would, would emerge as, as a good organizational principle for the, the complexity and overwhelming detail that can be the study of hormones. And so I, I studied and studied and studied. And you know, have you seen those pictures um, that sometimes are in a hotel or an office or something? They, they have some kind of repeated pattern on them. And you're supposed to see something in there. You're supposed to see a ship or a landscape or... Mm, a, yes, yes. Right? And you yes. look at it and you look at it and you look at it and you can't see it. And all of a sudden you, your gaze softens and you can see it. And then you mm -hmm. can't unsee it. And that's mm -hmm. what it felt like. I, I looked at the details, details, details. And all of a sudden, this, this picture emerged that, that I thought, wow, that's so simple. Is that, will that hold up? And I kind of worked with this principle with my patients and it held up. Not only did it hold up, but it just was reinforced by everybody coming through the door. And that principle is, it, it's interesting because it's, it's the yin and yang, right? It's the stress mm -hmm. hormones representing yang and the sex hormones representing yin. Um, but one of the, and yang being stimulating, motivating factors, right? So when the stress hormones rise, they stimulate us, they motivate us to get out of the way of danger and, and mm -hmm. deal with that. And the sex hormones for women, especially being estrogen and progesterone, their job is to nourish and ground and, and cool and lubricate. And so it's, it's this calming, grounding, building principle. And um, so what I found, so in yin and yang, one of the interesting things that um, to me that I think is extremely telling of how archetypal and primal and resonant this idea of of looking at reality through the lens of duality is that it exactly it doesn't exactly correspond with vata pitta and kapha but it exactly corresponds with the idea in ayurveda of santarpana and apatarpana or 
Brahmana and Langana, Brahmana being yin, Langana being yang. So um, I think that it's, it's what I've found is it's so elegant to think of it in these terms. So you mm-hmm. were talking about um, cortisol earlier being representative of high vata, and that's one way of putting it. And we understand that vata is really langana qualities, these lightening, stim- motivating, mobile qualities. And, um, but I just tend to think rather than high vata, I tend to think uh, predominance of langana guna in the organism. Mm-hmm. Um, and that makes it very simple to, to think of it in, in relationship to sex hormones for women, the, the, brumhana, the brumhana hormones, the building hormones, uh, uh, estrogen and progesterone, these very yin brumhana qualities. And so when, when we just have these two in play, brumhana and langana or yin and yang respectively, it becomes this very simple framework um, through which we can view the reality of hormones. Wow, I, that's, a, that's a beautiful way of looking at it also. And if we decode uh, Santarpana and Apatarpana, Brahmana and Lagana, again, if you decode the gunas of it, it's like Ruksha and Sneha. Uh, and Ruksha belongs to the Langana aspect and Snehana belongs to the Brahmana or Santarpana aspect. So I think we can also decode these two aspects. So you will see ruksha properties in women going through this hormonal imbalance in some parts of the body and too much of sneha in the not so good part of the body. And it is the art of balancing these two qualities. I think that's where the whole idea of this uh, Ayurveda or this Chinese medicine or the holistic approaches. Absolutely. Absolutely. And you just hit upon a point that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. It's there's certain there's certain profiles and um, symptoms and conditions that fall clearly into the category of too much brahmana, uh, mm. um, too much santarpana, and or clearly in the category of too much langana, too much yang. But there's, I would say, probably more often you get some kind of combination of both of them. And this yes. makes perfect sense, right? Because the more mobile qualities and drying qualities there are in the body, the more the body, the natural intelligence of the body is going to try to balance that by somehow providing the opposite quality. But if, if, if it's doing that, it can end up providing the opposite quality in some pathological manner. For Mm -hmm. example, a tumor or a mass is excess brimhana, it's excess um, sandra material, excess Mm -hmm. dense material. Um, But it's not, it's not excess brimhana in a good way. It's not excess Mm -hmm mass in a good way and so the body in its in its wise attempts to create some kind of balance can actually create it can end up having more more symptoms of both of both brahmana and langana right exactly and that's what the concept of datu agni and its tissues energy and its ability to convert it all comes down and it's like again water water everywhere no water to drink the body has right uh, some of nothing but it is not able to utilize it in the right area so the correction of that agni is the art of healing again 
I like that. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. and one of my teacher, uh, he used to say that, you know, Ayurveda is a science of common sense. And it was written uh, centuries ago that uh, you have to, all the diseases that you take, you can classify it into either Santarpanavyadi or Apatarpanavyadi, which is right. overnourishing diseases or malnourishing diseases. And he said that treating diseases of malnourishment is much easier than treating diseases of overconsumption. Because right. once it gets inside your system, it's very difficult to get it out. Right. And, uh, and, and that leads to a lot of other problems. So sometimes you have a blend of both. You are overfed and undernourished. And that's where this concept right. is coming up to. <laughs> right. Beautiful. Beautiful. Overfed and undernourished. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. And, and doctor, today, you know, uh, many uh, are coming up to, you know, a holistic approach. They realize that if something is missing, just topping it up is not working. We need to ask the question why the body is not producing, which is something that needs to be naturally balanced. And, uh, and, and people ask, especially uh, women uh, patients, they ask about why is my belly fat not reducing? Why am I having water weight? Why is my, when I sit for long, you know, I have water logging in my extremities. So these are some of the most common questions when they come with hormonal imbalances, especially during the menopause. I mean, we also will go to thyroid and PCOS, but this is some of the most common questions we get along with hot flashes and heat waves. So right. what, lifestyle, what lifestyle changes would be the basics that we could recommend here? Sure, sure. Well, uh, you know, as you well know, th there's, uh, there's, there's no one answer for all of this, but there is a principle that's that I find, you know, because um, two people may come overweight, and one is, is, is simply too much kapha, and the other one is vata pushing kapha, right? Mm -hmm, exactly. Is, you know, and so the the basic treatment is going to be different for both of those, maybe some similarities, but the the underlying approach to the cause of the problem is is likely to be different but there is a there is something that's helped me a lot understand i know you're thinking of going to thyroid later but to me when i think about the excess weight around the stomach and the thyroid problems i'm thinking those are in the same part of my brain and that mm. part um uh, works in in this way which is to say um, and this is, it's hard to put this in a really small nutshell, but I'm going to try. Um, when we have been overstressed, overworking, outspending our emotional, physical, um, spiritual resources for too long, we are drawing on that yang energy, that, that lungana energy where we're, we're indulging in lungana guna activities in, in these excessively motivated, ambitious, driving, um, depleting activities long enough. Once when we do that long enough, we're putting this, we're constantly um, submitting a, an, an invoice for, mm -hmm. for cortisol and, and adrenaline to be paid. And so that mm -hmm. happens over and over. Adrenaline and cortisol are, are produced in the adrenals. And mm -hmm. Um, and when that happens, one of the curious things about that makes sense, but it's very curious about the, the, the balance between and the relationship between 
stress hormones and sex hormones is that the body always prioritizes stress hormones. Yes, mm. it's nice to reproduce, but it's essential to survive if we're going to reproduce, right? So mm. it makes sense. That's why I say it makes sense to me is that, okay, right, of course, we've got to prioritize survival, even if that puts us into sort of a diseased state or an imbalanced state, we can deal with that later, but right now we've got to survive. And that's the body's approach is it, um, it triages things that come in. So, right. If we're saying, oh, I'm stressed, I need cortisol and adrenaline, but I also need estrogen and progesterone. The body is always, always hundred percent of the time going to, uh, when we're, when we're calling on both things from the body, it will always prioritize stress hormones because of that um, priority for survival. And when that, so what happens is over years, if we've done that um, consistently and repeatedly, and we're prioritizing ambition over reflection, and we're prioritizing mm. getting more in our lives over satisfaction with what we have, when there's this constant drive, it's the body will, will, will accommodate that. And so it will mm. accommodate that by producing more and more adrenaline and cortisol whenever we need it. When that starts to deplete, there's a mechanism in the body whereby it steals the, uh, it steals the sex hormones, particularly mm. progesterone and pregnanolone. So it will steal from Brahmana in order to supplement Langana. And mm. when it does that long enough, there's, um, there's a cascade of endocrine um, system responses to that um, and, and Datu responses. Think the, you know, bone becomes, the uh, big one is that it hammers the bone density in seven different ways, in, directly and indirectly. So it will deplete these, 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 the dense um, tissue of the bot, dense tissues of the body in order to supplement the energetic resources so that we can run, uh, run away or fight, right? The fight mm -hmm. or flight response. But one, but here's what it does in the endocrine system is all else being equal. And I, I, I'll get, I'll, I can come back and clean that up and say what I mean by that in a minute, but mm -hmm all else being equal, when we do this robbing of brahmana in order to supplement langana long enough, it affects the endocrine organs in, in, the, uh, in this order. First, it will affect the adrenals. Then it will affect the insulin producing portion of the pancreas. Then it will affect the thyroid and then it will affect other endocrine organs. And that has a certain sense, makes a certain sense. It first depletes the adrenals because the adrenals are responsible not only for producing cortisol and adrenaline, but after menopause, after the ovaries stop producing so much estrogen and progesterone, that becomes the job of the adrenals is to, is to continue to produce um, progesterone, which can mm -hmm. then turn into whatever estrogen form we need in the body. So um, 
the adrenals at menopause are particularly taxed, especially if we've been doing this robbing brahmana to pay long enough for long enough, the adrenals are already taxed. And then at menopause, when it's, when they're being required to step in and support sex hormones, forget it. They don't have that in them. And mm. so it starts depleting and wearing down the other endocrine or the other endocrine organs. So first the adrenals, cause they're tired cause they've been doing too much for too long. And then the insulin producing portion of the pancreas. And when this happens, one, the way that, um, you know, I don't send people for lab work. I never really did that very much, but the, one of the visual ways we can observe this, um, in patients and in ourselves is if that weight gain around the middle starts increasing, really that's a mm -hmm. sign right? The belly fat, that's a sign that this has been going on for too long. And then after that, the thyroid gets hit. And so it can be either, um, either over or under active thyroid. And there's a whole conversation we could have about that, but, but the root cause for the most in this profile, in this situation is this depletion is this constant um, constant prioritization of ourselves and therefore our, our, our endocrine system governance mechanisms in the body of prioritizing lungana, prioritizing stress, prior, prioritizing drive and ambition and feeding that. So, so when we talk about, well, what do we do for the thyroid and what do we do for the adrenal burnout? And what do we do for the weight gain around the middle? That's all the same answer at the core when it's when this is the problem, there could be other problems, but this in, in my practice has been far and away the most common reason for these things. Wow. And I think to sum this up, I would like to read a quote from your book, if I may. And uh, <laughs> so there is this part in your book. Uh, I'll just read out that quote. Uh, Too often, we become more active and more stressed as we age rather than less. Very few of us have figured out how to cope with stress, learn why we are on this planet and what we are supposed to be doing here, manage our daily stressors and be fully engaged in our lives. This causes our life force or chi to stagnate, which leads to everything from migraines to irritability to organ failure, and it paves the way for adrenal burnout by the time you hit menopause. This in turn leads to osteoporosis, heart disease, and other often avoidable maladies because our adrenal glands are too burned out to provide for post-menopausal sex hormone requirements, and the chronically high stress hormone levels have wrought their damage for decades. And let's not forget, it also means we are living lives we don't like. It's not that we are suffering now so we can enjoy life later. We are suffering now and we will suffer for it later too. Simply put, our hormonal activity reflects the level of satisfaction we have with the choices we have made and the lives we are living. They are inextricably linked. This is one of the most beautiful quotes that I have in the book, which I keep reading. And I try to explain this to my patients. So, and I think we could sum up what, whatever you mentioned in this quote as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's really related. <clears throat> it's really related. You know, I'm, I've now entered the third stage of life, the Vanaprastha stage of life in, mm -hmm. in terms of the, the four ashramas, the four stages of life, right? <clears throat> and, 
as I, as I age, I'm, I'm less and less interested in biological detail. I'm so glad I was in Grahasta and in Brahmacharya mm-hmm. stage of life. And it allowed me to look into the specifics of hormones and how they, <clears throat> how they relate, how they interact. But at the root of it, w- at the root of it is what is our motivating factor to do this. Mm, and mm-hmm. in, in this third stage of life, I'm more and more, I've always been interested in that, but I'm more and more exclusively interested in that over the biological detail. Because if we address, for example, if we look at that situation where we were just talking about where we're prioritizing drive and ambition and et cetera for so long and, and we're robbing Brahmana, right? We're robbing, Mm -hmm. we're not, we're not giving ourselves enough calm, enough nourishment, enough serenity, then why are we doing that? You know, Mm -hmm. we could say, well, I'm doing that because I've got to get my kids to, to their, to their sports game. And I've got to do this and that, and this and that, but why do we have to do that? And if we keep going into the root cause of the cause, if we keep looking for the cause of the cause, it ends up being about a belief system. Well, mm. I believe that this is how I should live my life. It's not how I want to live my life, but I, I believe I should be living this way. And when we look at that, then we start seeing, I think, more and more that hormonal balance is okay. It's a physical issue, but it's also an ethical issue. And by ethical issue, I mean, are we living the life we truly feel we were meant to be living here? Hmm. And if we are not, then that's to me, that to me, that's about integrity. To me, integrity is, is, is looking inside to my innermost essence, accessing it to the best that I can, seeing what's there and aligning my actions with that. That, if I'm doing that, my life, it doesn't ensure that my life will always be easy. There may be very difficult challenges, but it does affect the chemistry of my life and the vital resources in my life in terms of how they line up to support that vision. Hmm. So in other words, rather than the physiology of stress being prevalent, the physiology of courage takes over. That's a very different, um, that's a very different physiology and it's not a harmful physiology, whereas the physiology of stress is a harmful one. And so when, when, when I look at this, then I say, oh, then I have to have, I have to look inside. I have to find the courage to act in alignment with my innermost essence. And I think, you know, this is one of the beautiful things about the idea of the four stages of life, the four ashramas, because ideally in, and for many of this, we didn't have this, but we can always Mm. go back and get it. So I don't want to say that if we didn't get this in the first 25 years of our life, we're, we're in trouble. (laughs) We just have to go back and get it. But in those first roughly 25 years of life during the brahmacharya ashrama, if we can learn how to access and listen to that innermost essence, 
and and understand the laws of nature and what happens when we do act in accordance with that, let's say dharma, then then we are more equipped to enter the second, third, and fourth stages of life. Um, and we realize that the, the importance of belief system and living a life we tr truly want to be living. I think that's so beautifully put. And I really uh, appreciate those statements, you know, instead of being stressed, let me find the courage. And, and when we say that we are actually moving from that stage of Rukshana to Sneha, in fact, the word Sneha also means the, you know, to be together, to feel that sense of community and love. And that's what also, you know, going out of fear and moving to the stage of courage. And there's also the statement, you know, success without fulfillment is worse than failure. So we all are looking for that fulfillment. In spite of having all that success, we feel empty inside. And I think it's better late than never, even if you didn't achieve even whatever stage of age you are. We still have the lots of plenty of options. Every moment is an opportunity to find that fulfillment. And I think that's where this balancing your life is about. And I think the hormone is a result of what stage is your fulfillment? And are you living with fulfillment? Are you living with excitement or anxious? Because excitement and anxiety also have the same hormone that we our body is releasing. So there you can see a lot of linkage. It's all about fulfillment at the end of the day that is going to make us quite grounded. Yeah. And there yeah. is this story about this uh, group of fishermen, which I, when you're talking about this, you know, the beliefs, uh, a few fishermen in a beach, they were trying to fish. And one businessman comes and sees that uh, this fish looks quite exotic and it tastes really delicious. So he mentioned to these fishermen, wow, this fish tastes so good. I think we should try to fish more and try to sell it more. And the fisherman asked, why? Why would you want to do that? And he said, no, if I could, uh, we should get some big uh, ship and go deep into the sea and get as much fish as possible. So once we have more sh fish, we could sell more. And they asked, why do you want to sell more fish? So then we could reach out to more people and we could earn more money. And they asked, why do you want so much more money? So then, you know, you could be having financial security. And then the fisherman asked, why do you want that financial security? And he said, if you have the financial security, you could stay on the beach and enjoy your life. And the fisherman said, <laughs> yeah, we are already doing that. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's so true. It's so true. It's I so true. You know, we've had so many challenges as a, as a global community in the last number of years. And some that have really come to the foreground are the Me Too movement um, mm. and the Black Lives Matter movement in terms of racism mm. and, um, and climate change it, coming to catastrophic levels. And recently I realized all of these things have the same root, which is greed, you know? Mm. Um, and there's a story about uh, King Boj uh, uh, that my Guruji used to, to tell, and I'll get some of the details wrong, but it goes something like this. King Boj asks his ministers and educated 
advisors and so forth in his court, he says, what is that? This question comes to him and he's curious and he asks, asks them all this. He says, what is that sin in which when you get stuck, it's like getting stuck in a swamp and you can't get out? Hmm. And um, who knows why that thought came to him, but it did and it was important to him. And so he asks all of these wise people this and nobody can give him a satisfactory answer. So he asks his main advisor, he says, you go, you go find this answer mm -hmm. in such a way that it is satisfactory to me. Otherwise you'll be punished severely. Mm -hmm. So the, uh, the advisor is very nervous and he goes out and takes a walk and is thinking about it. And he comes across this shepherd and the shepherd says, what it's a sheep shepherd. He's got all his sheep there and um, he's a low caste man. And he says to, to the advisor, he says, you know, I can see you're upset. Is there anything I can do for you? And he said, well, probably not, but here's my problem. And the shepherd says, well, actually, I, I know the answer to your problem. And mm -hmm. the king says, well, uh, not the king, sorry, the advisor says, well, please, would you let me know it? Mm -hmm. And he says, well, I will, but you know how it is. If you want something from someone, you have to give something to someone. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and the advisor says, well, what do you want me to give you? And he says, well, you have to become my disciple. And mm -hmm. the advisor says, well, that's not going to happen because I'm high caste and you're low caste and that's not going to work out. And the shepherd says, well, as you wish, that's fine. But then the advisor realizes he, this is really worth it to him. He needs mm -hmm. this piece of information. So he says, okay, okay, I will. And the shepherd says, well, that was my condition at that time, but now my conditions have changed. Now you have to not only become my disciple, but you need to drink some of my sheep's milk. Mm -hmm. And the advisor says, no, 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 that's just that. Like, that's just too much because that's anathema. That's forbidden from my caste and my status. I can't, I can't drink sheep's milk from you. And so he says, all right, well, as you wish. And he said, but then of course the advisor realizes he's, he's got to accept this. Otherwise he's in big trouble. So he says, okay, all right, I will. And he says, and the shepherd says, well, that was my, condition then. Now I have another condition. And this time, not only do you have to drink the sheep, the sheep's milk, but you have to drink it, drink it from a human skull. And after both my dog and I have drank from it. And the advisor just is, is he's filled with disgust and he doesn't want to do it, but he also knows he, he kind of has to, in order to answer this question. So he says, okay, I'll do it. And so he does it and he says, all right, well, what, so now tell me the answer. And the shepherd says, well, you didn't understand. The answer was with you the whole time. Greed is that thing, which once you enter, you can't, you can't get out yeah. of like a swamp. He says out of greed for this in, for this information, you are willing to sacrifice your religion and your rules and your ideals and all of these things um, for, for, for what you wanted for your greed. So I love that. And to me, it feels like it's at the root of colonialism. It's at the root of Me Too movement in that when we want what we want, we don't see other people. And it's mm -hmm. at the root of 
racism. We're willing to see other people suffer as long as we get what we want. You know, it's at the root of climate change. We're willing to ruin the planet in order to get what we want. And, um, and what I realized in thinking these, uh, how connected all these things are, is I realized this has been what I've been studying my whole life in terms of women's health. You know, mm. women's health at the root of it is continuing to strive for something that we don't even really deeply want. That's the paradox with it, because mm. none of us really want all this stuff we're greedy for in our heart of hearts, probably. But we keep we keep driving towards it. And there's this level of greed in that. And I realized, oh, this is what I've been studying my whole life is uh, is the same cause of all of these different maladies, including hormonal imbalance. It's so aptly put on, I mean, what's inside is what's outside and what's outside is what's inside. So we could all see, you know, what is going on in a person's body in a collective consciousness is actually what we see outside. And if you, in Ayurveda, a woman's body is Saumya and Agnea. I mean, this is a quite rare combination on one hand, uh, because Agnea is something that which is heat producing at the same time it is Saumya. And you see the global warming that is happening when it is going in excess. We need temperature. It is important. But when it goes in excess, it creates a lot of catastrophe. And that's what you see. Uh, you know, there is more shift from Sneha to Rukshana. And that is what we see in this world as well. And I think greed has its root. And that's the swamp that we are getting stuck. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, it's a fundamental difference in perspective. There's such a, uh, so many of us live life as if we'll get happy mm. once our sense, sensory desire is gratified. But, you know, Charaka says the, the most happiness provoke, promoting medicine is control of the senses. It's yes. just, exactly. it's exactly opposite view. Hmm. And that control of senses, uh, people think it's we are going to deprive our body, but it's not deprivation. It's actually liberation if you do it in the right manner. And I agree. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what the right manner is. <laughs> and, and there is a statement in Saraka also, uh, one of the most powerful tarpana, tarpana means like nourishing, is vidya, vidya tarpanam and learning and getting that wisdom and right. that is what is actually nourishing us and i think one of the most powerful ways of uh, cutting over that greed is actually wisdom to understand what is it that you really want and that clarity and what people are missing is that clarity we are getting this or illusioned with that i like that and i like that you brought the word tarpara into mm -hmm. the conversation as it's september 15th here in mm -hmm. the us right now and and on september 20th we go into pitrapaksha which is a good time for tarpana so. oh yes <laughs> so. thank you so much doctor it was such a lovely conversation and i would like to have you know if possible a few more sessions like maybe after a few months because i would like to discuss about the other books that you've written which is quite uh, full mm -hmm. of intuition and i love the way you write 
and all those who are listening this is one of the best books uh, balance your hormones balance your life and maybe i should put the podcast name as balance your life and balance your hormones the real name of the book <laughs> oh i love that that's a great idea <laughs> well it's been so so lovely to to um, meet and have a conversation with uh, a, a respected colleague and, and to um, be here for all your listeners. So thank you so much for the invitation and your, and your grace. Thank you, Doctor. And I will put the show notes because I see that you do a fantastic courses online on women's health. And I will put that so people can, you know, come and connect with your courses. It'll, it is very oh. life-changing as well. Excellent. Well, let me say with the with those two women health women's health courses, part one is very complementary to the book. You don't have to have read the book. It's mm-hmm. but they're they both feed each other, and and it's accessible for everybody. And part two is is really specifically for um, Ayurveda clinicians. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic, and I will definitely put it in the show notes so they could reach out to that. Thank you, G. Thank you for listening to Ayurvedic Healing and Beyond. If you loved and enjoyed this podcast, please do subscribe, share and review us. This helps to spread our mission of guiding humanity to becoming their healthiest self and also giving the right resources for holistic healing. If you wish to know more about my work, please do visit www.vigneshdevraj.com. And if you are interested in doing an Ayurveda treatment or authentic Panchakarma therapy, please log on to www.sitaramretreat.com.